Children are dismissed. Give me a second here to get set up. Uh, I've heard some comments already about my handout. Uh, Somebody asked, what is this? You want to know what it is? It's homework. It's not for today. It's for homework. So you can put it away and think about it later during the week. The kids get homework all week, so why not us? We'll get to some of that here. Uh, Please turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. I usually like to do a lot of my study in the New King James uh, Version, um, but I bring an NASB here, so I'll read out of the NASB here. Uh, We're going to read verses 1 and 2 of 1 Peter chapter 1. It says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the, fullness, in the fullest measure. <clears throat> Let's... Uh, give this time to the Lord this morning. Father, we come before you. We, I pray that you would help me as my brother already prayed for the words of my mouth, but for the thoughts I have, that they would be clear, that they would be clearly articulated, that this local body would be energized, uh, energized in the hope that you have, energized in uh, a desire to be in your word studying as we go through this passage of First Peter. Father, we thank you uh, for your help of the Spirit. Um, we're glad that you sent us the helper. We, we need the help that you give us. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so we'll be starting uh, starting our... Uh, our time here in First Peter, this is the introduction, so um, we will be going over the first two verses, but I'll be going a, a little bit over a little bit more than that. Um, so First Peter here, uh, can anybody guess what the theme is? We have here, uh, I love these charts, by the way, these are the greatest thing. We have one P with a tear, one Peter, so you know what book it is. And then uh, this P is, he's stranded, he's in, he's in pain, and he's with a porpoise. So it's pain with a por- porpoise. Uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, just, you know, it, it's for us, a, it's a kind of a, um, a cute way to remember the themes here. But, uh, you know, it's a letter of encouragement. Um, the, the people who wrote this wrote it to Jewish believers. Now I'll get into a little bit of that because there is some, uh, I'll say, not a big debate, but is it Jewish believers Peter's writing to or is it just all Christians? Uh, so we'll get into that in the, a little bit later. Um, it reminds them, or uh, them and us, that suffering has a purpose. The proper response to suffering is in their perspective, 
which would determine their response. So they're supposed to not be surprised at suffering. That's what Peter tells us. Uh, We're supposed to count it as a, a way of sharing Christ through our suffering. We should make sure you're suffering for righteousness, not unrighteousness. And remember that pain has a purpose. And remember who we are. We are a royal priesthood. And that our lives are to reflect our royal our royalty in our suffering. So this is a letter, letter of encouragement. One of the other things I, I like here uh, to look at, just to, when you're looking at a book, a little overview is a, a word cloud. So those of you may not be familiar with what a word cloud is, they basically uh, take an image of all the words in a book and uh, the size of the word is either indicates its frequency or importance. So in this case, it's the frequency of the word here. And I want you to pay particular attention that as we think about suffering, as Peter talks about suffering, the two main words that come up are God and Christ. Now, the suffering's there. Those words are in the passage, but that's not, that's not the main focus. Focus is on God and Christ. So, Lord willing, Lord willing, for the next three months, we'll be studying First Peter together. And I know you can't read this. It's on your handout. But here is the outline and... Uh, that we have, as the elders have uh, kind of used as, a, I'll say, a loose reference with uh, titles with them. So um, I gave it to you with the dates that we're, we're planning on, on teaching. Um, I'm sharing this information for you because I'm hoping that you will study this passage along with those who are speaking. That's my intent here this morning is to get you energized and focused on um, First Peter here that you will learn for yourself, right? Uh, that's the that's the best way of learning. Usually, as we retain it the longest, is if we uh, personalize something. I, as one of the elders here, would like to encourage you uh, to take the time to either listen to. Or read First Peter as we continue to go through this. I can tell you from personal experience, it takes about a half an hour to listen to First Peter all the way through. That's at normal time speed, not at anything faster. I know some people listen at their podcasts at one and a half, so that means it's even less time to listen to First Peter. But um, <clears throat> I just want you to, to read or get it into your hearts and minds. The way uh, my mind works, and hoping some of you are the same, is uh, a lot of times as I think about something or as I um, listen to something, it may not something may not jump out right at that moment, but uh, my subconscious works on it, right? And as I things come up, these verses or these things come to mind, and so. Um, I'd like us as we, you know, as we all have difficulties, we've talked about them the last year, there's difficult things going on. What better uh, than to, ha- to come to your mind than the Word of God? 
So take the time to look and think about First uh, Peter as we go through it in the next coming months. So I just wanted to give a little uh, view of where does First Peter fit in the rest of the New Testament. Now, I would say this, this is more of um, there are parts of this chart like the Gospels and Acts that were put in as um, the time of when they occurred as opposed to when they were written. Um, we have this 20-year period of when the majority of the New Testament was written between 50 and 70 A.D. In fact, uh, Acts and Matthew, Mark, and Luke were all written during that time. John was written later, uh, around the time of First John, Second John, and Third John. So John did his writings much later than the rest of the authors in the New Testament. Um, one of the things I liked about this chart is it, it gave uh, some perspective of just, uh, I'll say, the density of uh, what was being taught to the people or what was being shared. Um, it also got me to, to think about a little bit. There's a couple different types of books here, right? We have uh, the Gospels and Acts, which are more like historical accounts. So they're, they're talking about events that happened, um, although with a theme. But uh, when you get into, uh, you know, Paul's writing, there's uh, letters to specific churches that were there. Uh, there's letters to specific people like Philemon, Titus, Timothy. Um, there's letters like James that are written to Jewish Christians, like the church as a whole, but to the Jewish portion of the church. Um, Peter uh, is one of those that's kind of in that transition. Hebrews is one that's written to uh, Jewish Christians as well. But we, as we get later, you get Revelation, right? Just written to the universal church, not to any one group, but to the church as a whole. And so uh, just that uh, of how... The New Testament we have is just a, this combination of uh, many different uh, writings to different audiences, many different authors, and just how it all fits together perfectly. Um, you see First Peter, I highlighted it. Um, it, it comes in uh, right around 64 AD. Um, I think that's kind of important because I, I have this other chart, which I don't expect you to read, but I, I guess I wanted to highlight a few things out of this. The blue, uh, the reason why I like this time chart is it, it gives a, a view of what's happening in um, different areas of the world. So the blue is like the Roman world and the timeline of what's going on in the Roman world. The red is uh, Israel and the Jewish nation, what's going on there. And then the green on the bottom was is the church. So you, you see uh, when the church starts and it goes, you probably can't read it. But um, I put these two vertical lines down um, here, here, this right-hand side, to kind of highlight that there's uh, this emperor that is here at this time, this Roman emperor. He's called Nero. I'm pretty sure you guys have heard of him. He's... Not a nice guy. Um, even enough on this timeline, there's that little red box up there at the top that talks about persecution of the church. So there's this uh, 
these events that are going on in the background of why Peter's writing here. Okay, just a little bit of background about Nero. So I pulled some books, some uh, history books, for lack of a better word. One of them's history. Uh, Works of Josephus here. Um, Josephus was a, Flavius Josephus was a Jewish historian. I think he's good for understanding what's going on at the time when things are, when things are written. Um, so we have, he has his account of, of Nero in the, the wars of the Jews. And so I want to go, I want to read uh, directly what he wrote on his account here of Nero. He has more than just this to say about Nero, although he um, he would say there's a lot of historians that wrote about Nero during his time, so he focused mostly on his uh, impact on the Jews. He says this, now as to the many things in which Nero acted like a madman out of the extravagant degree of his felicity and riches, which he enjoyed, and by the means used his good fortune in the injury of others. And after what manner he slew his brother and wife and mother, from whom his barbarity spread itself to others that were most nearly related to him. And how at last he so distracted that he became an actor in the scenes that upon, and upon the theater. And he says this, I admit to say any more about them, because there are writers enough upon the subject wherein, but I shall return myself to those actions of his time in which the Jews were concerned. So you can hear a little bit about Nero. He talks about him as a madman, that he was barbarous, <clears throat> that he killed those who were close to him. About 64 AD, so we have that background of who Nero is, and about 64 AD, we have Rome as great fire in Rome. And so I'm going to read out of Haley's Bible handbook because I think he gave a, a good summary of uh, the accounts of what's going on here in Rome. He said, The great fire in Rome occurred in A.D. 64. Nero himself burned the city. Though an inhumane brute, he was a great builder. It was in order to build a new and grander Rome that he set fire to the city. The people suspected him, and historians have commonly regarded it as a fact that he was the perpetrator of the crime. In order to divert suspicion from himself, he accused the Christians of burning Rome. Nero's persecution of Christians was very severe in and around Rome, but not generally over the empire. However, the example of the emperor encouraged the enemies of Christians everywhere to take advantage of the slightest pretext of pers to persecute. It was a trying time. The church was about 35, year old, 35 years old. It had suffered persecution in various localities at the hands of local authorities. But now, imperial Rome which had hitherto been indifferent, even in some cases friendly, had accused the church of terrible crime and was undertaking to punish it. So we get this context. Uh, 
here that the believers, though, although not in Rome, the acts of the, the Roman uh, church give it um, give people some authority, right, to uh, take advantage of this of this group of people. And so this is the backdrop in which First Peter is written. <clears throat> so I want to take a little bit of time to think a little bit about who Peter was. Who is this guy that's writing to us? In the New King James, uh, the first two verses, the verse starts with this, a pers- Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So we have that he's an apostle of Jesus Christ, but who is he? Um, a lot of people think that Mark is Peter's account of uh, the acts that Jesus did. So a lot of what I've taken here this morning or the references I've given are from Mark because that was Peter's recollection of what happened when he was here with Jesus. This is animated, so uh, it's small. Okay, he was called by Jesus. Smaller than I thought it was. Sorry about that. Um, called by Jesus. Uh, he was um, called as one of the 12. Jesus came to him by the waters. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll turn here to, the, to these passages, uh, each one. So this is Mark. And it's Mark chapter 1. I'll read 16. As he was going along by the sea of... Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting their nets in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. So he was called. Second part, uh, he left. He left his old life behind. Um, yet not completely, right? There's some passages where he goes back. And this is such a reminder of ourselves, right? We're called to leave our old man behind, yet sometimes that old man gets in the way, doesn't he? Sometimes we, old habits, I think, what's the phrase? Old habits die hard. Uh, So, Again, here with with Peter, right after uh, all is at loss, he he goes and he he goes to fish again. He goes to what he knows. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, so we have Peter first. He's called. He left his nets. He's married. He's the only only. Uh, Apostle that we know of or that's accounted for that's married. So uh, I, I just wonder, like, he's away for three years. It's a long business trip, isn't it? Um, for, for those wives who have to, to suffer with their husbands that go on business trips. So he's a man of action. Uh, he likes to... He, <laughs> In some ways, Peter is a, a man who, who does before he thinks. Uh, but he's a man of action, um, right? He, he walked on water. Um, I'm pretty sure the first part of that he didn't think about. He didn't think about what he was doing. He didn't think about 
there's waves. He didn't look at them. Um, he just thought, hey, if it's the Lord's calling me to come, I'm going to come. And uh, there's a lot to be said for that, that simple faith, that simple action. Um, the second one is, uh, it's interesting. In um, He's the one who cuts off the high priest's servant's ear. Except for in Mark, he doesn't, he doesn't account for that. It says one of the disciples. Um, I don't know if that's Mark protecting him, but it's, it's kind of interesting that Peter's friend John kind of is the one that rats him out, right? That says, hey, uh, it was Peter who, who did this. He's the one who acted uh, you know, quickly and was not great with a sword and cut off the, the guy's ear. Um, so he's a man of action. He's also quick to speak, uh, quick to speak in several things. Uh, The first is when Jesus is asking the disciples if they will leave too, the the 12, he's the first to respond. I think that's why um, the others looked up to him was he's he's the he responds in a way of of just saying where 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 else would we go you know what he's with his thoughts it's the first thought that goes to his head um there he's the first to respond when um jesus asks him who do men say that i am or who do you say that i am you're the christ um he's the first to speak later um he's (laughs) both good and bad right he's the first to speak at the transfiguration let's make three booze for you guys uh i know i should say something here but let me let me say what this is. So he's quick to speak. He's quick to speak. He made mistakes. We all make mistakes, don't we? And some of his are, we might say, is are more glaring than others. He rebuked. He rebuked the Lord Jesus Christ, or he tried to. When he talked about his suffering, he denied him. These are, these are what people might consider very big mistakes. Um, no wonder, you know, John Mark, I, I don't know if he sought him out or Peter sought out John Mark. But, you know, whatever John Mark said is, well, I left, I left Paul and Barnabas. I left them there in the gospel. I got scared. I could just imagine Peter saying, it's okay, I was scared too. I denied the Lord. Not once, not twice, but three times. And look at the restoration he gave me. You can be restored from this. He made mistakes. Yet we see he's written a a book in the New Testament. The Lord uses him in mighty ways to build his church at the day of Pentecost, with Cornelius' house. We all make mistakes, but he learns from those mistakes, as we'll see here. He learned a little bit about prayer. Um, you know, when he, the Lord asked him to watch and pray in the, in the garden, he and uh, James and John fell asleep. And the Lord asks him, why couldn't you watch 
and pray. To be vigilant in prayer. We'll see how this affected Peter's life, these actions. And then lastly, he's restored. We talk, I talked a little bit about this, but he, you see this um, at the end of John where the Lord pulls Peter aside. Do you love me more than these? He goes, Lord, you know everything. He does it three times, and maybe that's just a, a way to go back against the three times he denied him. I don't, I don't know. Um, but the gentle pulling of the Lord uh, for Peter to say, I have work for you, but do you love me more than this, this world, your past life? And if so, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And you can see that uh, pastoral thought, that shepherd's thought, continues on with this book in 1 Peter. So we have this teaching in 1 Peter that kind of parallel, parallel this part. We have, the, we have this word called throughout here. The, the book of First Peter. So Peter's thinking about his calling, and he says, you all, you're called, as well as I was. So there's this calling of everyone. Remember, the reminder to put away our lusts, to put away our old self, to uh, not go back to our old habits. Uh, Peter knew all too well this desire to go back to the you know what he was or what he used to to be um but yet he's he he's calling and he's uh asking the the people he's writing to to put away those things to move on with their new life as paul would say you can tell he's married because he gives very good practical advice about marriage um husbands dwell with them with understanding Uh, that's a verse that always rings in my head Um, it's it's one where you know when I'm struggling to understand my wife which I'm sure none of you rest of you husbands have that problem but when I'm struggling to understand my wife that's the verse that comes to mind dwell with them with understanding be patient think about just because you don't understand and they may not understand just dwell with them love them so he was a a man of action and he calls us to action right several different places he's got a lot of action words gird up conduct lay aside come to him be hospitable, minister. These are all action words throughout Peter. He's calling the people to action. He's calling believers to action because he's a, he's a man of action, so he, he wants people to act. He talked about, yeah, he's quick to speak. He tells us to be ready. Be ready to give an answer, to give a response. It's a good verse to be reminded my by me, it's just, it's not something you come up in the spur of the moment. It's to be ready, be prepared, 
to give a response. Be prepared when people ask you, why are you different? Be prepared when they ask you, why are you doing this? Because it's not what anybody else would do. Be prepared to tell them, it's because I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, because I am different, because I am a child of the king, because I am a royal of his, his royal son and daughter. And the standards that he asks for me are higher than what the world may dictate. He learned from his mistakes. I think I've already said this, but it's interesting that he addresses both of his mistakes here in his, his teaching. Um, he talks about the Lord's suffering. That's exactly what he rebuked the Lord for, was for his suffering. And now here he is, he's calling his readers to look at the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we thought about in the Lord's Supper. Look at the example of the Lord Jesus Christ and follow that example. Follow that example of suffering. Something he tried to rebuke the Lord for. He learned from that mistake. And this time he's not going to deny the Lord, right? He's... (laughs) The passage is talking fully about the Lord Jesus Christ. and he, he does not want to deny him anymore. He talks about in his prayer, he, he tells his readers to be serious and watchful in their prayers. Where do you think he got that idea from? The garden. It could be one place where the Lord asked him to watch and pray and he wasn't. He didn't. Again, maybe that thought of learning from his mistakes. So he tells the believers here, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And then this last part about elders, I'm just where he tells them to to feed the local flock that is among them. Uh, Just the context of maybe where that comes from, from the end of John, of... You love me more than these. Feed my sheep. This desire of, it's the love of the Lord Jesus that compels those in leadership to feed the flock. Nothing else. And that love for the Lord Jesus is what should drive us here at the the local church to take care of the local sheep. So I look forward to hearing what, what Jack has to say about, about that passage um, so I can learn along with the rest of you here from First Peter. So a little bit about the people. Um, so there's a lot of locations said here in the beginning here, it's the, the pilgrims in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So uh, just to give you an idea, this, this map's probably not the greatest to try to pull those out, but um, there, there's some, the providences up here, so Pontus, uh, Bithynia, Asia's over here, so uh, I got another map here, so don't worry if you can't read this one, but it's a map of Asia Minor. So just to give you an idea of what area of the world uh, Peter is sending his, uh, his letter to. 
this is a little better map, a little easier to read as far as the location is uh, up there. Uh, you can see this is an area where Paul and his missionary journeys went quite a bit. And we know that Paul first preached to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. So there's going to be a mixture of believers there, Jewish and Gentile believers. And then just a modern-day map so we get an idea of um, where we're at. And unfortunately, we've seen maps of this area here recently if you're watching the news. But uh, it's modern-day Turkey. So you can you see he's writing to believers in modern-day Turkey. So some thoughts here I have. First uh, Peter was not written to any particular local church like Paul kind of did, but was written to the universal church or the church of God, possibly a Jewish community. So I want to I kind of address that a little bit because if you're doing your own study, what you will see is quite a bit of disagreement, I'll say. Some people will say this is just purely Jewish Christians. Others will say that it's all believers. And I, I want to give you the context of where they, they come up with that. So there's two words uh, there in the beginning, and they're, they're easier to see in the, King, in the New King James. Is One, he, they talk, he talks to the pilgrims of the dispersion. So we have this word pilgrims that's used three times in the New Testament. The only other time it's used is Hebrews 11, outside of 1 Peter. So it's used again in 1 Peter 2.11. But the only time it's used out of, outside of this book is in Hebrews 11.13. And it's, maybe you could think about Hebrews 11, the, the uh, chapter of faith. And it's, you know, the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians. So you have this this thought that it's written to uh, from the word pilgrims, that it's Jewish Christians. And then you have that word dispersion or the, this, those who are scattered abroad. And even in um, uh, Vines, the, the Greek words, uh, Strong's Greek words, he, he says, is the Israelites resident in Gentile countries is his definition of that word. And he gets that um, from James 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, James, James, when he's writing, he says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes, which are scattered abroad. Greetings. So it, it, to the 12 tribes, it's the scattered abroad is the dispersion, which are dispersed. Um, he gets that idea. The only other time this is used is also in John 7.35, where the Jews, Jesus says, where I'm going, you cannot come. And so the Jews are arguing amongst themselves, where does he intend to go? And what, where we will not find him. Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? So there's this uh, thought of, does he intend to go to the Jews among the Greeks? So the, the initial passage there, if you just read it, uh, the pilgrims amongst dispersion, you could get this idea that it's written to Jewish believers. I'll say the refuting evidence of that would be in, in Peter itself, 2.10, where he talks about 
for you once were not a people. Well, that doesn't seem like it fits with the Jewish believers. They are a people group. They they had a people group. So um, it seems like uh, he's talking to more than just the Jewish Christians. So whether or not it's written to, to I guess, my point of all this, that's a long-winded way of saying, whether it's not written to just Jewish Christians or both Jews and Gentile Christians, it doesn't really matter because uh, the context is written to believers. And I think they're all, all the believers here uh, benefited from this word, from what Peter said. And I think he's trying to draw, it's, it's interesting in that time, it's kind of a transition time. Well, Paul's going through all these missionary journeys of the church to be one. And so it might be Peter's purpose, you know, intentionally, or the Spirit of God through him intentionally to say, hey, it's to these people giving reference to the, to the Jews who are Jewish believers, but then pulling them back all together as you are one group now. You're not two separate groups. You're not Jewish believers and Gentile believers. You are the church of, church of God. You are one together in him. So we have the audience that's written to. Some other key thoughts from verses 1 and 2. He talks about elect. New King James, the, the, verse, the verse of First Peter, First Peter um, 2 starts this, elect according to the foreknowledge of God. And then he goes on, in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have this work by the triune God in conjunction with us. Our election, our sanctification, and our sprinkling by the three parts of the Trinity. Now, the Trinity is not spoken of anywhere in the Bible. It's not said what it is, but we can see the work that they have here in salvation and in our, in our lives. And so Peter's calling to mind that uh, here's God working for you in, in multiple different ways for you, his work. Uh, I think it's interesting. I like the way the NSB put it. Uh, to obey Jesus Christ, uh, we're called to obedience. So we have this, and it's not obedience to anybody, but obedience to God. And here in the New King James, it says Jesus Christ. Uh, and then we're given grace and peace. Um, just some words we kind of, uh, I'll say, gloss over at times. So let me, let me talk a little bit about them. Grace uh, J.B. Nicholson says this, it's the attribute of God's nature by which he satisfies his own love for sinners and by which he displays his unmerited favor toward them without reference to their deserts. Now, he would say also in, a, in what I read that he says that's a, <laughs> it's, it's not a good enough definition. There's more to grace than that. Um, the New Bible Dictionary says every step in the Christian process is by grace. So we should remember that as, as we go through our Christian life. And then peace. Uh, 
you may, he's talking about suffering. So again, how can he say we have peace? Well, he's talking about spiritual peace. There's a restored relationship of harmony with God. This restored relationship that we have with God through what he has done for us. So we're given grace and peace. Some doctrines, some very weighty things here in the uh, first couple verses. There's this doctrine of election. God's pretemporal choice of those who would be saved. And I, I won't be one to deny that there is a tension, you know, a tension between the, the free will of man to come to salvation by faith with this doctrine of election. Um, <clears throat> I was reading some material and it said the doctrine of election has two functions. One, it checks humans' independence. So for me, this is the idea that I don't need God. And it checks self-righteousness, this idea that I'm okay without God. So it has a, you know, as election, it, it gets rid of this idea that I don't need God or the idea that I'm okay without him. And that it shows that in bestowing favor, God is perfectly free. Now, I thought about that as God does not answer to us for his actions. I know that's a hard, hard one. We know that he's not inconsistent with himself, but he doesn't answer to us. Sanctification, um, easily defined as consecration or purification. There, there are three parts of our sanctification. I think here in uh, verse 2, he's talking about the positional part of sanctification, the believer's position in Christ, that you know, through the Spirit, we have this assurance that we are saved. But then we have this experiential part of sanctification, our actual holiness in life, how we act, how we are to live. We're to live holy. Peter says, be holy for I am holy. That's what it says in the scripture. He quotes that, that Old Testament passage from the law. One of the things directly taken from the law, be holy for I am holy. And then our ultimate sanctification, our glorification or complete conformity to Christ, <laughs> our perfection. We will be like him one day. We all see, no matter how long we've lived in the Christian life, that we haven't attained that yet. And we won't attain it. There's always the struggles that we have. And so as we think of the doctrine of sanctification, there's these three uh, areas of it. But I think here in, in the verse 2, he's talking about our positional portion, that we are, we are pure in Christ. We are saved. And then the idea of the, the Trinity um, that's here. I've already talked about that God is working. Uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are working together. And so just this doctrine, and um, just to try to describe the Holy Spirit, I've quoted B.B. Warfield from the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. There is only one and true God, but in the unity of the Godhead, there are three co-eternal and co-equal persons, the same in su substance, 
but distinct in subsistence. So they're distinct beings. So it's, uh, I'll be honest, the Trinity is one of those things that's very complex. Our, our, I, I won't say I fully understand it myself, but it's uh, one, of those, one of those things that we see through the Scripture that there is a triune God, that there's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they work together as one. Um, no better place to see that when the Lord Jesus is baptized, where you have the Lord Jesus, the Spirit descending on him as a dove, and God the Father saying, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Okay, questions I have. Um, I put apart for questions in that, in that handout. I don't think questions are bad. Sometimes we think having questions about the Word of God are bad. They're not. Uh, in fact, sometimes through my Bible, I'll come across, I'll just have this little line and a little question mark. Like, I don't know what that meant. Um, so here's a few that I had, um, just as we got it. What does it mean that Christ went to preach to the spirits in prison? I don't have answers for these. These are questions that I'm working through as we go through First Peter. Uh, what, did, what does it mean that he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin? Again, if you take that verse out of context, you could say, oh, we can be perfect in this life. We're sinless. I don't, I don't necessarily hold that approach. So it, again, I have to ask that question. What does this mean? What is, what is Peter trying to say? And then maybe a more personal reflective one, why do we fear reproach? You know, why do we fear what people think of us? But again, I, I want to challenge you to write down your own questions. You're going to have questions about Peter. There's definitely some hard things in there. So I, I, I want you to, I, I left some space in that handout for you to write your own questions and do your own study. Some resources for study. Uh, I, I mean, I won't make the assumption that everybody here has resources. So uh, I talked about listening to the Word of God. Uh, so I've given you uh, a website that has multiple audio versions, whatever version you like, uh, to listen to the Word of God in. They has it, um, so you can listen to them. Uh, if you're one of those that likes to dig deeper, uh, do a lot of study. The site Precept Austin is a great one. Um, you can get lost for hours, days, probably years. Um, in some ways, it's overwhelming. I'll just I'll just say it that way. So uh, there's a lot of information down there. Uh, one of the Bible softwares I like the best is f- that's free. There's part of it that's free. There's also parts that are to pay for if you want other versions. But I like esword.net. They just came out with the Android version. They're not paying me to plug them. I'm just telling you that's the one I like the best. Uh, one of the other ones that I think people use around here is uh, Olive Tree. Um, that one's pretty good as well. The one thing I like about Olive Tree is if you have multiple devices, it'll track where you're at on the multiple devices together. Uh, one of the things Sarah and I like, so I look for different things that help give overviews. There's a this BibleProject.com gives very simple explanations. There, uh, there's videos or posters uh, of the Bible, each book. 
I don't agree with everything they say in their explanations, but I, I will say it's a great place to get a very general explanation. It's very neat because the guy's like drawing while he's doing it, and um, it's it's entertaining. I'll say that part, and so you can learn something from it. So, uh, I, yeah, if you want to just get an overview, uh, the book uh, he has that. Uh, one of the least used things in any church is the church library. Uh, if you want to do your own study, there's definitely lots of material here in the in the library. I think you can check them out. A lot of things are able to be checked out, so you can go look through there in First Peter if you want to do your own study. But I, I, I guess the point for me is I want to encourage you that as we go through this uh, to be studying studying first peter we it's become extremely obvious uh, at least to me maybe i i guess in my lifetime i don't remember a time of such stress or strife uh that i've had and so i don't know if that's because i'm getting older or as you become more aware of things but again there's a lot of stress and strife in the world and so there's also I think I, I could see that we could suffer for our beliefs, for what we believe here very, very soon. And so that's why the study of First Peter is so important. It gets our, our mind off of ourselves and on to God, it gets our perspective onto him. It gets us thinking about as we suffer, what should we be thinking about? And so I, I pray for all of us as we go through this together that we would learn uh, from First Peter, so I, I just hope that you're all encouraged by this introduction to go study First Peter, and I look forward to the remainder of the teachings uh, from this book. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your uh, your mercy to us. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you uh, made the way of salvation possible says, by the blood of Jesus Christ, it was a sacrifice that you made uh, for us to have this grace and peace with you. Grace that we receive from you and peace that we have with you now, this right relationship. I pray for each of us as we go through this uh, study in First Peter that we, would, that we would grow from it, that we would grow uh, ourselves and our and our thoughts about suffering, that we would have boldness uh, to suffer for your sake, that we would not be ashamed to suffer for your sake, and that we would follow your example. It's a high example to follow, but I, I pray that we would follow that example that you've laid for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.